Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show on this Thursday here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox are reeling. Lose again last night. Tough defense. Late home run by Josh Naylor does them in. And the Sox even further back now in the wild card chase. Joining us now to break all of that down and much more as we head towards the trade deadline is our ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. Buster, how are you? I'm doing okay, like everybody else in baseball, you know, uh, watching to see which trades go down, watching to see where Juan Soto goes. Yeah, we'll get to all of that momentarily, but I missed you last week because I was on vacation, so I didn't get to talk to you, but I sure saw a lot of you on my vacation. Home Run Derby you were covering. I saw you on the Jeter Doc, which is in pro- you know, which has been coming out here a couple episodes a week, so I've, you've been very busy over the last week. We just haven't spoken. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like you're kind of going crazy the other day. You know, I was trying to explain to someone where I'd be, and I, I really had to, like, pause and think because I'm like, wait, I went to L.A., and then we did the Derby, and then the All-Star game, and then uh, and then I came back, game in New York, another game in New York, and then this weekend we got San Francisco, then Chicago, <laughs> and then Hartford. Um, this is uh, the craziest time of year, uh, I think, uh, you know, compared to any other time of year, whether it's uh, – you know, the World Series or whatever, because you have all the all-star events and the trade deadline, the draft all compressed into a couple of weeks. Let me ask you my one Mariners fanboy question. Oh, boy. What was it like to be to see Julio at, uh, at the Home Run Derby? 81 home runs. I got to imagine that was your first time seeing Julio in person. What was it like? I will defer to someone with a lot more baseball expertise than I have, and that would be Mr. Mookie Betts. Uh, you know, I was working the home run derby on the sidelines and I saw Mookie cross over from the first base side uh, of Dodger Stadium to the third base side in the midst of Julio's round of, of uh, you know, first round of, of the derby. And uh, this is when Julio, you know, took a break and Mookie walked up to him and said something to him. And he had this big grin on his face as he walked away with his daughter. I'm guessing he's about two years old. And, and I stopped him and I said, hey, what would you say to him? And he goes, I told him to keep it going. And then Mookie looked at me. He said, this is the first time I've seen him in person. Oh, my God. That's Mookie Betts. If you can impress Mookie Betts in that way, that's saying something. I think what jumped out at everybody, uh, you know, first, of course, the athleticism, how big he is, how fast he is, how strong he is. But then there's the personality which just jumps off the page and already, you know, even before the end of the night, when we're in the the van going back to the hotel after the Derby coverage, we were talking about next year. You know, we were like, all right, we got the Derby in Seattle next year and we know who's going to be the star (laughs) of that event. And that would be Mr. Julio Rodriguez. He he made a strong impression upon everybody. And I would assume uh, that'll only grow after he wins the rookie of the year in the American League. You know, they have a different body type, but there's a reasonable comparison between Julio Rodriguez and Mike Trout. You know, came up early, top prospect, power speed combo. I can only yep. hope that Julio grows into Mike Trout, but we've got bad news yesterday on Mike Trout. He's got this back issue with a medical condition that I can't pronounce, but bottom line is his vertebrae is screwed up, and they're talking about it might be career altering for him. How worried should baseball fans be in general about the Trout news? that came down yesterday you mentioned the name of it thank god uh that you didn't try to pronounce it i'm not <laughs> going to try to pronounce it um i will say and i you know i'm under i'm in a wait and see moment because the moment that that 
you know, news came out that their athletic trainer mentioned that this is something this is, he might have to manage the rest of his career, you know, everyone was on high alert in baseball. And I made phone calls to the Angels organization. What I got back was, yeah, maybe our trainer uh, went a little too far in terms of, uh, you know, giving out the name because the name just sounds daunting. Um, what, the, what I got back from the Angels was, he's going to come back this year. Like, we, we, don't, we don't think it's something that he's not going to be able to manage. He just got a quarter zone shot. They think he'll be okay there. They think he's okay next year. Um, and they don't, you know, according to the source that I was talking with, like Trout, when he saw the big uh, uproar over what the athletic trainer said, Trout was kind of laughing. Mm. Like, really? Like, that's the conversation that, you know, uh, my career might be, uh, you know, significantly changed. Uh, I, you know, from what I understand, he's not buying it. Uh so we'll see. It obviously is a big deal because a Mike Trout, you know, the, the beginning of his career arguably makes him the you know the best player that we've ever seen in the first ten years of his career. But also he's owed about three hundred million dollars for the next eight years. So the Angels have had uh, you know such um, I, I don't even want to say luck because they they made a lot of their own bad luck, but who've had a lot of issues go on to hold them down this is something they're going to be watching very closely well i hope that you are right i hope that he is right because certainly mike trout is a joy to watch and we want to watch him play healthy as long as we can we're talking with buster only our espn mlb insider with us here on the Brady farkas show on wdev okay let's get to the red Sox. they lose again yesterday they're 49 and 50 they're four and a half games back now of the final wild card spot they're in last place before we talk about the trade deadline you know alex cora and I was watching the ne- the Nesson post game show yesterday. It was Tom Karen, it was Ellis Burks, and they made this point. Alex Cora survived in Major League Baseball for as long as he did because he did all the little things well. He he just did all the little details. So it's really jarring to see a team managed by him really struggle at those little details. Three airs yesterday. They had three airs against Toronto a couple of games ago. How did they get so bad fundamentally? All you know over the last two and a half three weeks. Well, um, I mean, let's face it, some of the choices they've made uh, with the various uh, positions. You know, during last year, as you know, before Bobby Dalbeck took off, uh, first base was an issue for them. It was an issue defensively pretty much the whole year. You know, Bobby got better as the year went along. Um, but they came into this year, they passed on Schwarber. And when you look back at it, you know, as we talk about, you know, what's going on with the Red Sox, the fact that they passed on Schwarber, for that price, for less than what they offered, and if you see saw what he signed, uh, you know, with the Phillies for at this moment for the Red Sox, that must feel like, oh my God, <laughs> we would love to have that contract. We would love to have Kyle Schwarber because of the type of player that he is, um, and they have just perpetually left first base as a poor defensive position, and it's a little bit surprising because, uh, as you say. I mean, I've worked with Alex. I know Alex, and you're right. Alex, you know, is all about buttoning, button downing, uh, buttoning down uh, different parts of the game. And when you have Devers, who is, uh, you know, has gotten much better defensively, but he's an imperfect third baseman. And you have Bogarts, who's a, who's uh, fine, but he's an imperfect shortstop. It's been a surprise that they didn't go out and get somebody who's really good defensively at first base. Um, and that cost them time and time and time again. You know, with some of the outfield stuff, um, we'll go back and look and see the Hunter Renfro trade and kind of scratch our head. Hunter Renfro was a really good major league player. 
And, you know, they traded him for Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a good defender, but, you know, hasn't hit it all the last few years. And from what I understand, the prospects they got in that deal are not doing well. So I, I think a lot of it is is roster construction. It has not gone well. There's no doubt about it. Do we think the Red Sox are bad, or can we write this off as they are so injured that it's just been impossible for them to overcome? I mean, look, they have played poorly, but when you take away – you know, four fifths of your rotation for a good chunk of time, and you take away your your starting third baseman, your starting second baseman. It would be difficult to overcome what they've had to overcome. Can we can we use the injuries as an excuse, or is it just that an excuse? I think it's a, a bit of an excuse. I, don't, I think that absolutely. I mean, the injuries are real, and to lose those players, you know, and to not to be sitting here uh, where we are, and, and to know that Chris Sale barely got out of the gate. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, made minimal appearances and he's the highest paid guy in your roster in average annual salary. That's a big deal. You can't overstate that. But on the other hand, there have been a lot of things that they bet on that just haven't gone right. Um, and I do wonder, you know, and I, I've talked to people around the team about that. You know, the fact that, um, you know, the Red Sox have had so much conversation about contracts and you know, Xander Bogarts and the embarrassing contract extension they offered him and the future of Devers, you know, the fact that they used, according to Alex Spear, a great reporter for the Boston Globe, uh, you know, Matt Olson is a comp for Devers. That, that made people in other front offices laugh. Mm. Like, you know, Matt Olson's a great player. He's an all-star. He ain't Rafi Devers when you're talking about a hitter. And you wonder how much of that has gone into what's going on this year. It, just, it felt really unsettled from the first day of spring training. Buster only ESPN MLB insider with us as he is every Thursday here on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. Let's get to the trade deadline. We're just days away from it. Um, you know, some people want the Red Sox to buy. Some want them to sell. Some want them to do a hybrid approach. I tend to think they probably are going to do more of the hybrid approach, buy here, yeah. sell there. You reported earlier, earlier this week that teams believe that J.D. Martinez is available how much are they offering up Martinez? Are they actively shopping him? Uh, from what I understand, they made it clear that he is available. Uh, are they pushing to make a trade? I don't, I, you know, that's not the sense that I make. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, you go back to the roster construction when this all settles that, you know, they, I think part of the reason why they're doing that is because, let's face it, when you have someone who basically is locked into the DH spot, that means that. You know, other guys who might be better suited for that spot or maybe need a day uh, to rest an nagging injury, that's not really available to them. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I actually heard back in June that they were making it clear that they're willing to talk about Martinez, whether they were in the race or not. Um, so I don't know how much they're pushing it or as opposed to, you know, looking for opportunities. You know, the Benintendi trade with the Yankees, uh, and Benintendi is, you know, at this point, a better player than J.D., because he's uh, he plays in the field, he's a good defender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to get a huge haul in return for JD, and he's making a lot more money than Ben Attendee is. So I don't know if they'll actually pull the trigger on something. And I know Sam Kennedy and I Bloom were out earlier this week and saying, make signaling. Look, we haven't tr- talked at all about trading Bogarts. We're not even thinking about trading, you know, Devers. My question about Bogarts would be, why not? Like, if you, we know this. Their contract talks in the spring, they were so far apart that uh, there was no chance that they were going to sign him in the spring. Um, 
they're not close based on that number to where you're probably going to need to uh, to spend to sign him in the winter time. And if you're not close to signing him, and your team is, you know, now what seventh among teams chasing a wild card spot in the American League, why wouldn't you be out there in the marketplace seeing if you can get more for Bogarts? You know, my question would be. If you really are keeping Bogarts for the rest of this year to improve the chances of trying to sign him in the offseason, then make your move now. Make the big offer that you feel like you're, you're willing to make in the offseason. If he says no, then you move him because you get more value than just a draft pick compensation. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this great weekend in Cooperstown. Big Poppy inducted into the Hall of Fame. Also, ESPN's Tim Kirchin, a guy that you obviously know well, and I saw you write some nice words about him at ESPN.com, and I've talked to, to Tim multiple times on the radio before. My question for you is, have you ever thought about what it would be like for yourself to get into the Hall of Fame? No. I mean, I think it's someone like Peter Gammon who, you know, uh, is, is, to me is the, the greatest baseball writer ever. You know, and he's a good friend, and, you know, he's someone who's been honored. Jason Stark is a legend. Uh, Tim is a legend. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's not even, I'm not even in that conversation. So, no, I haven't, I haven't thought about it. Well, I'm sure it's going to happen. You're modest, but I'll say it for you. I'm sure it's going to happen, and I'll be excited for you the day that it does, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again when it happens, whether it's next year or in 10 years. I don't care. We're going to talk about it, Buster. So, Buster. Yeah, you don't have to. No no point in wasting any breath on it, but I appreciate it, Brady. <laughs> Thanks so much, Buster. We'll talk next week, and we'll see how different the Red Sox look seven days from now.